All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthume and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 8, Episode 32, the live trade deadline. I guess not really live, but live trade deadline edition of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, brought to you by our friends at Betway. I'm your host, Brock Segan. I got Dylan D. Berthume, Michael Biebs Bondi with me today. We are going to be talking about all of the trades that have happened in the last couple of weeks, how they affect fantasy hockey, and then we are going to react to any trades that happen throughout today. So as we sit here now, it is 12.20 p.m. Eastern. We've got the daily face-off live trade deadline edition on, and there are two hours and 40 minutes to the deadline. So we are going to go back and take a look at all of the big trades that are going to make today probably pretty boring, but that's sure. all right, because uh, it's been an exciting couple of weeks in the NHL. So... Uh, D, your first trade deadline at Daily Faceoff. How are you feeling today? Uh, happy to be here. Not my first, but my first in a few years, to be fair. But uh, True. yeah, happy to be back um, in the bullpen with you boys. Uh, and honestly, just happy that there's been 40 trades in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And it should be kind of a breeze today. Biebs, your first trade deadline at dailyfaceoff.com. It is, yeah. And uh, it has been a, uh, it's been a week for Brock and I. Uh, we are both, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to look for some sleep this weekend post-trades, but uh, it's been fun. It's, it's a lot of action, and uh, I think that kind of like the other major leagues kind of set the tone for, for the trade deadlines. We saw a crazy NBA trade deadline. We saw 
you know, crazy just about every other sport that has trades. So NHL decided to jump in the fun, and uh, it's been pretty cool. I think we were talking before the the previous record was what twenty yeah, high twenties for picks, and we're we're now into the mid forties. Um, by the time the show comes out, we might have even hit fifty. So um, for all you people who love trades and uh, think that someone might just be playing a GM season in NHL twenty three, we agree because that's what this kind of seems like for us. So, but it's fun. It's great. It is funny, like, because obviously, like, when you're playing video games or whatever, or you're making up your own trades, uh, trade ideas, they usually don't make sense or don't end up looking a lot like the trades that actually happen. But that's not really the case this year. There has been some absolutely crazy trades, you know, five draft picks for one player, and uh, the Devils and Sharks swapped, like, five players each, ten players total, something like that. So it's been uh, some wild trades, some big moves, and, hey, here we go. looks like we've got our first Ooh. trade uh, <laughs> while on the podcast. Not very serious. The but it looks one. like Vladislav Nemestikov, who was just traded, is getting traded again, now mm. heading over to the Winnipeg Jets. So we're going to try to navigate through the live trades and update the website and do a podcast all at the same time and have some fun with it. But boys, let's talk about some trades that have already happened. We're not going to break down Vladislav Nemesnikov to the Winnipeg Jets. But while I put this on the website, let's start talking about Timo Meyer and Patrick Kane. They're the two biggest names that have moved thus far. Obviously, two players that you're not going to be able to pick up on the waiver wire in fantasy hockey. And assuming your trade deadline has already passed, probably players that you're not going to be able to trade for. But we did talk about uh, Patrick Kane and the preseason we were pretty okay with drafting um Patrick Kane kind of at his ADP at the time to hope that he eventually gets moved away from the Chicago Blackhawks which has happened and he lands in a great spot with the New York Rangers where he has played his first game with Vincent Trocek and former teammate Artemi Panarin um, and then Timo Meyer has yet to play for the New Jersey Devils obviously had still plenty of value while he was with the San Jose Sharks but Moving to the Devils, it looks like it's a spot that you know could end up being a spot where his fantasy value is on the rise. Obviously, you know had a good thing going with Tomas Hurdle, occasionally Kevin LeBanc and whoever that third or second winger was. But in New Jersey, D, we touched on it a little bit yesterday uh, during our brief episode. Meyer was you know basically penciled in. We would imagine to play with uh, fellow Swiss center. Nico Heischer, but the way Tomas Tatar, Dawson Mercer, and Heischer have played, we might end up seeing Timo Meyer play with Jack Hughes. Regardless Ooh. of where he lands, with Hughes, with Heischer, this is a great spot for Timo Meyer. And you'd imagine that his fantasy value certainly isn't going to take a hit, and it could probably get better. Yeah, it, it, it's ideal. You know, the only concern here would have been, you know, perhaps a drop off in playing time, potentially moving to a contender where there's not as much ice time to go around. But we, we can see that's not the case here, right? Big minutes to be had there, uh, to be taken away from the likes of Sharon Govich, Tatar, uh, probably even Dolbeck, Bratz minutes a little bit. So I, I do think that it, you know, it might take a couple of weeks and, and they'll build them up and maybe build up some trust with the coaching staff. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's back up around the 19 minutes a night that he's been at the last couple of seasons, um, which we know will help him keep his shot volume plenty of high um and yeah just moving to a, obviously just a slightly better team in the devils the, the sharks have actually been a lot better um at least from you know an analytical standpoint a possession standpoint than um you would expect their goaltending has really let them down um but the devils are just top basically top three across the board in, in terms of the underlying metrics for possession um shot control expected goals for percentage so he's moving to a great spot here obviously on a line with hughes you got 
uh, two guys that just love to dominate the puck and, and fire it on goal. So um, excited to see what those splits are going to look like and, and what those samples, early samples are going to be if he does end up with Hughes, because uh, it's hard to imagine the two of them not averaging at least uh, 10 shots a game between them. Yeah, and Brock kind of said it. I don't think you can take Dawson Mercer off that top line right now. He's, I, I believe he he's currently sitting on a devil's record for consecutive games with a goal scored. So Seven. when that's cooking, you don't necessarily want to want to close that out. And uh, after watching them absolutely fly around the Colorado Avalanche the other night, um, I, I will say that line should not not be mixed up. But uh, one thing about Heischer coming back is he's kind of he's kind of injured at the moment. It does seem so. I think that if if the first couple games you see is only getting 15, 16 minutes, just chill. Talking about Meyer, um, right? yeah, or, yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah, Timo Meyer. Yeah, I got all excited because I saw my boy Nico there and a Swiss and being all Swiss and stuff. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, if Timo Meyer's not playing those those crazy minutes, obviously you're not going to drop them, and you're you're not you'd never even think about that. It's trades are gone. But just you know, don't worry, don't hit the panic button. Uh, he'll he'll be playing those big minutes again, and and they brought him in for a reason. So I think uh, you hit it. It's uh, it's just going to be more of the same, and uh, pretty crazy. Just I, I think New Jersey is about to start putting up forty five shots a night on teams. Yeah, at the moment you've got Timo Meyer sitting third in the NHL with two hundred and fifty five shots on goal. Jack Hughes sixth in the NHL, uh, two hundred and fifty one shots on goal. So just Dougie's two... probably got to be what top five among D as well. Yeah, shots. absolutely. Dougie's up there. They they just shot volume machine. Dougie Hamilton nineteenth overall in the NHL with two hundred and eleven <laughs> shots. Not top def- or sorry second to defenseman uh, Roman Yossi. So yeah, shot volume plenty in New Jersey. I think it is going to be interesting if those two end up together. Like, how do you really, like, you can't have 18 shots together on the same line. I mean, you could, but like, yeah. um, they would really have to be dominating puck possession. I, I think ideally, I think optimal lineup for them is to have Meyer um, with Heischer, but I, like, I really don't see them breaking up to Tara Mercer anytime soon. It could be Meyer with Hughes for a couple games, see how it goes, and then kind of figure it out from there. Yeah, the nice, some tinkering for the sure. nice thing is the third piece of that line, you get a pass for a swinger and Brat to probably offset some of that, right? So I do think it can work, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, how it works out, and if it does, you know, take an effect on maybe Hughes' shot totals as well, or if, yeah, him and Meyer both take a slight step back, but again, we're talking about maybe going from five shots a game to, to four shots a game, and, and probably... Um, better puck possession and, and higher quality chances. So um, at worst case, fantasy value wise, I think this is a watch for everybody. And obviously there's uh, a lot of upside there uh, if they can click early. Patrick Kane, uh, speaking of clicking early, plenty of, of history with our Temi Panarin um, ends up landing on that line to start. It, it's Did you know they played together? Because I'm pretty sure 800 people told you this week. Yeah, I, I was reminded pretty yeah. clearly. Um, Did you know? I, I put... Um, I put Kane with the bandage ad originally just because for uh, Photoshop purposes, he hadn't actually been traded yet. So I was just <laughs> Photoshopping him in there, and it was easiest just to replace Jimmy VC. and everybody jumped on me like, I, who gives a shit what the actual line combinations look like? Just look at the names in this top six. But – Honestly, I really did think that he there was a pretty good chance he ended up with Kreider and Zibanejad because the underlying numbers for Kreider, Zibanejad, and Tarasenko have not been all that great lately. Meanwhile, Panarin, Trocek, and Tarasenko have been very, very good together. So it's it just kind of made sense for me as somebody who looks at the underlying metrics of these lines on a daily basis. I ended up being incorrect, um, but that's fine. The, I think uh, similar to New Jersey, it's the first game. Things are going to change. Um Tarasenko looked great yesterday, scored a Peter Forsberg-like goal. Uh, he's been you know, a great fit. And I do think Patrick Kane is going to be the exact same. Patrick Kane, 
bit of a sluggish start to the season, bit of a sluggish um, season overall, but has really caught fire, you know, right before the trade deadline, just went on an absolute tear, uh, scored seven goals in his final four games with the Chicago Blackhawks. Casually. Um, he was held pointless in his Rangers debut, but he played 1936 and had four shots on goal. So very good signs there. Um, anybody who waited on Patrick Kane throughout the entire season, um, whether you got him in the fourth or fifth round in the drafts, I do think that this guy has got the potential to be kind of like a top 36, top 24 player from here on out. I do think that um, the lid's probably going to come off what Patrick Kane has done this season. I mean, the numbers throughout his career have been incredible and they've been incredibly consistent. I don't expect him to, you know, not produce in a Rangers uniform. Yeah. The only issue is finding a way to get onto that top power play unit, I would say. Um, and then I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I think that he should easily return on his draft day value at this point from here on out. Um, but yeah, you know, right now it's Kreider's advantage at Panarin, Tarasenko and Fox. So it's tough to say who really gets the boot there. I would think maybe it's Tarasenko. Tarasenko was actually replaced uh, by Kane last night. So um, he did up. end up on the top power play unit in his debut. Um, Tarasenko moved back to the second unit. Obviously, it's the power play, and this is it just seems like a crazy stat. But last night, they had like seven minutes on the power play. Corsi 4 was 60 to 1. They fired 16 shots on net on the power play last night. This is a power play unit that's going to absolutely cook. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you talked about it. He slots right into a pretty ideal spot here. Ice time really isn't a concern because he's, you know, that top six gets a bunch of minutes. Um, and you just feel really good about it because whether he stays on that line with Trocek and Panarin or he moves up with Kreider and Zibanejad, uh, yeah, just obviously. Uh, 10 times better than what he's had to play with in Chicago the last couple of seasons. So excited to see what he can do uh, with the higher quality line mates around him. And I, I agree that it does kind of make more sense. You would think for him to play with Kreider and Zibanejad, cover up some of his defensive efficiencies um, that, you know, he's kind of got at this point in his career uh, and just let him focus on creating offense uh, and making those high danger plays. Yeah, no, I, 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 you know what you're getting with, with Patrick Kane here. And, and if you waited this long, you just got to kind of, kind of enjoy it. And, uh, I don't, I don't know. What, what are we thinking? Are we thinking like point per game here on out? I, I'd probably put him out there. I mean, yeah, I think that's very, very, even likely. that last little heater there, he was just under, um, if you want to take his last 13 games, uh, then with that one, uh, debut donut in between there, he, he's just under a point per game. So I, th I think a point per game is fair. We're going to see a lot of these secondary assists come, as you mentioned, if you're getting 16 shots on a power play and Patrick Kane's right in the middle of it. Um, yeah, so this is kind of what you've waited for, and maybe you'll get 20 games of Patrick Kane. So 25, add in those last five games. So that, that's pretty good for you right there. Yeah, 92-ish. <laughs> 92 points in 78 games last year before they took to bring cat away from him. So I would agree. I think the assist totals are just going to climb right back up and yeah, probably I would almost say like an assist per game at this yeah. point, maybe, you know, five or six goals of the last 20. Yeah. And the nice thing you like to see, he had four shots on goal in that first game, which is great. You know, that's really been something that he turned into kind of in the second half of his career, just a really big volume shooter because he just does not shoot at a great clip. So he needs to rack up those shots um, because yeah, he's an 11 and a half uh, career shooting percentage. Uh, and he's been under 10 for the last three seasons. So uh, needs to rack up those shots. So that's great to see because he should be able to, uh, you know, chip in w with at least uh, a handful of goals from the, the rest of the way here if he is going to be shooting around three, four times a game. All right, let's move on to the goalies. B or D, you and I talked about it a little bit yesterday. Uh, last week, we were talking about how Corpusala was one of our favorite goalie pickups just because he seemed like the most likely to be moved at the deadline and potentially getting moved to a good team. And he got moved to arguably the best spot that he could. The LA Kings. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, we, I joked about the Kings. I said, I think there's a chance that that's where he ends up, but I don't think that they're going to move Jonathan Quick, and then they did, and now Jonathan Quick ends up in Vegas. Let's start with Corpusallo in L.A., because there's a couple things that are really, really good about this. One, the Kings are just a very, very good hockey club. Two, the Kings are a very, very good defensive hockey club. If you look at expected goals against, uh, they are currently seventh in the NHL. So one of the best at protecting their goaltender. In terms of high danger chances against, they are sixth in the league, uh, giving up the sixth fewest high danger chances. So good, you know, do a really good job protecting their goalie. Um, but their second lowest save percentage in the league. So they really went out and addressed that issue Phoenix Copley's been fine. He's struggled a little bit um, lately. Hasn't been quite as sharp as he as he was when he first came up, but he's still hovering around a 900 save percentage, and I think that's kind of fair to expect from him moving forward. And that's where Corpusallo was so intriguing to us, especially if he lands in LA, because it does seem like there's a pretty clear path for him to earn a starter's workload in LA. Obviously, not a lot of playing time left this season, but if you picked him up as your third or even your fourth goalie and he ends up, say, starting 60-65% of the Kings' games down the stretch, he could be extremely serviceable uh, in fantasy. Yeah, I mean, we've seen how serviceable Copley can be just by returning you know, some league average splits. Uh, keeps that goals against average really low, and he's going to farm some wins. So I do expect to be a little bit of a split to start. I think Copley's earned that much with how he's played this season. But um, yeah, they're definitely going to look to be getting him in there. And even if it's every other game playing for that Kings team, it should set him up really nicely to be a really useful fantasy asset the rest of the season. He's going from a team in Columbus who gives up over 34 shots a game to a team in LA who gives up uh, under 28. So that's a big, big swing. Um, and maybe he doesn't have quite as much upside in, in the points leagues if you're looking for those one-off starts. But he's he's obviously a completely different player now in terms of uh, fantasy. He should be uh, just a really consistent contributor the rest of the season. And if he is able to outproduce Copley and take that job, um, certainly going to run with it. But yeah, hopefully you got on him last week before the trade happened because we talked about how it was pretty obvious that he was going to be moved. Talked about how he's among the lead, uh, leaders and expected goals or goals save above expected, um, which is definitely the main uh, statistic that we know GMs like to look at when they're farming for goaltenders. So uh, moving into a really nice spot and his ownership's already jumped up from 7% when we talked to him about him last week all the way up to 31%. So like I said, hopefully you got on him before the move happened because uh, yeah, he's been a hot ticket this week. Just to further your point about the Blue Jackets, I said that the Kings are seventh best in expected goals against in all situations this year. The Blue Jackets, seventh worst. So complete flip-flop for Jonas Corpusallo. Biebs, how do you feel about Corpusallo's value now? Well, Copley's proven, you know, you could pitch a below 900 save percentage and still win 19 of 25 games that you're going to play in. Um, And luckily for Jonas Corpusallo, his career save percentage is a 903. That's across 210 games. So, you know, we have a little bit of... We have a little bit of stuff to go off of there, but um, we, we're seeing uh, <laughs> there's been some injuries over the year, and we're seeing a true Jonas Corposalo this year. So if you put him in with his 913 that he has this year, that's pro- that's probably going to get you about 21 of those 25 wins over the Copley um, amount, and that's just bonkers as it is. Uh, you guys said it. It's it, it it's a great position when he does start. I do think it's going to be a 50-50 split um, just because you know you can't, take it fully away from Copley, especially right now with the playoffs coming around in case the Corpusolo thing doesn't work. But I could also see this being the hot hand ride. If Corpusolo comes in and he's, you know, a 9-10 or 9-15 goaltender, then there's no reason why they shouldn't roll with him because they need, they, they just need to win. It doesn't matter who's in net for them. They don't have necessarily, you know, it's not like Jonathan Quick where you have 15 years to this guy. Each guy's new. 
Um, so yeah, so if, if Corpus o does get hot, he could be one of those goaltenders that realistically wins you fantasy or helps when you wins you fantasy playoff weeks, 100%. because he's going to be in there in, in, in those weeks when you are in the playoffs and you're going to need goaltender starts and teams are going to be sitting guys, um, teams that are, that are far ahead, or they might be playing the back goaltender a little bit more when that comes around. Uh, Corpus Allo at 31% is going to be definitely something you want to look at. We also talked about the goalie strength of schedule a couple weeks back, and the Kings, one of the easiest schedules moving forward. It helps that they play in a weak division, and a division that's certainly going to be looking to sell off players and already has started to sell off players uh, You know, this, this week. And, and throughout today, I, I'm assuming that we're going to see uh, some moves as well. Obviously, you know when you go up against the likes of the, the Oilers, it's probably one where you leave Corpus Allo on the bench, but you got to feel really good about the games that he gets against the Ducks, the Sharks, the Canucks. Um, you know, even the Kraken are, are, you know, a good hockey team. They don't score the most goals, but yeah, they're going to uh, shoot a lot. You know, even Vegas, to a certain extent, they're 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 a good good team, but offensively, maybe not an absolute powerhouse. So Corpus Allo is definitely going to see some pretty uh, cushy matchups down the stretch, which bodes very very well. D, we talked about it a little bit just last point on Corpus Allo, how. Really, he was a pretty reliable goaltender up until last year and was coming off of a serious injury. So yeah, D, or Biebs, as you mentioned, career 903 save percentage. If you take out last year, though, he's closer to a 906, 907. So a maybe he better. looks a little bit better if you remove that one kind of injured year. And I think the one thing that's very interesting is he's only started 26 games this season, obviously dealing with injuries at the start the year. But he's fresh. He hasn't played a lot. He's, you know, and, and Phoenix Copley, we, we've got him now at 28 games in the NHL. He started 11. So he's up to 39. The most he's ever started in his career is 41 games back in 2018 in the AHL. So probably a guy that's not used to having a huge workload. And I think that that could play into Corpus Allo's hand. Let's talk about Jonathan Quick now. Oof. Corpus Allo, or we sorry, Jonathan it? Quick goes it? to Columbus, basically says, I don't want to play there. And the Blue Jackets say we don't really <laughs> want to. We'll see he, if we can. He we literally can. just stayed in LA. He yeah. didn't even go to Columbus. He's like, no, no. Well, Frank Saravalli was tweeting that he was on the flight home. Yeah, with the, to, with the team back to LA when he got traded. Kind of an awkward situation to for sure. But oh, you got to ride out the flight. It's it, it is interesting. <laughs> I think to at least look at quick. It has certainly been a struggle for him, um, but we've seen guys like Aiden Hill, who's not notoriously been a, a super talented goaltender, putting up gaudy numbers, and he's played pretty well. Loren Prasois came up um, after being injured. He played pretty well. Obviously, Logan Thompson's been really good. Is there a spot where Quick could bounce back a little bit? I'm hesitant to say yes, because obviously the Kings have been quite good defensively as well. It's not like he's going from Columbus to Vegas, but Vegas you know, has been very good defensively this year as well. If you take a look at the expected goals against, they are third. So marginally better than the Kings. But if he couldn't get it done in LA, I do have a tough time believing that he's going to put it together in Vegas. Maybe this trade lights a fire under his ass, but I'm just not sure that Jonathan's Quick's playing style this, these days uh, matches up well with the current day NHL and also being 37, certainly yeah. catching up to him as well. Yeah, I believe uh, the science and the math says that your reaction time starts to decline around the age of 25. So at 37 years old, Quick is quite obviously not the goaltender he once was. And like you said, Rock, always kind of over relied on athleticism, uh, reading the play and at time taking big risks um, and really not a conventional goalie, not, not the type that you would uh, try to coach up, you know, good fundamentals. But yeah, like I said, uh, a lot more about reading the game and, and trying to make smart bets uh, and relying on his athleticism. And obviously, as you get older, it's harder to rely on that sort of game. 
I think it is worth saying that he was solid last year with the 9-10 save percentage in 46 games. So maybe Vegas is looking at that and, and hoping he can at least get back somewhere close to that. I, I, I love this trade for the Kings to start. And I think it just got better once he got flipped to Vegas because, um, yeah, I, I don't anticipate him turning it around. So I, very, honestly, I think, you know, they made their goaltending situation a whole lot more solid and obviously picked up Gavrikov too. Um, and now you sent your 876 save percentage over to the your division rival in Vegas Golden Knights. So, uh, yeah, I was really surprised there was an appetite for him in Vegas. I get it. You know, they're really struggling just to find someone reliable in between the pipes right now. I don't think, you know, I, I do... I still think this is Logan Thompson's job whenever he comes back. And I don't think that even a little hot stretch from quick would really change that. So, uh, yeah, I think he's nothing more than just some insurance and some depth, but obviously a pretty big cap hit for that role. It's actually kind of funny. We talk about, you know, his nine ten being decent. Um, this year there's 37 goalies who have a nine ten or better. Uh, granted that's not start dependent. So there's a couple in there with, you know, six or seven games played. But with that said, that just goes to show with what's out there fantasy wise um, for Jonathan quicks, best year in his last five seasons. Um, three of those years have been a below 900 save percentage. I just basically saying this cause I totally agree with you guys. I think we're over the hill here. I think that even if, you know, he is getting wins in Vegas, I don't see him putting in above 900 save percentage. I see him maybe, you know, maybe he'll get you those wins, but he's going to face 30 shots and let in four goals. Um, <laughs> And that's just the type of stuff that, yeah, you might get a win in fantasy, but when you have three other categories or two other categories that depend on it, it, it could actually hurt you. Um, so, you know, quick, it's a great story. Um, he did his, you know, he didn't didn't report to Columbus. Good for him. Probably probably helped his um, his breathing because he didn't have to, uh, you know, go there, live there for a few days. But, he would uh, have had like an 825 oh God, in yeah. Columbus. But now we get to see Mike Hutchinson maybe get five or six starts this year. <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm done i'm done laughing. i just had to I, say I think it. another thing that's going to be holding quick back is like i said aiden hill has played very very well since mm-hmm. the beginning of january he's gone seven and three with a 927 save percentage mm-hmm. he's played quite well um and logan thompson is expected to be back during the regular season the kings or sorry the, the golden knights did say that he's expected to be back they just wanted to add some depth at the position aiden hills had a career high in appearances he's also had some injury issues this year so you know i, I think that maybe they're the, I mean, I get it. Like they're looking at what happened to Carolina last year, right? Like if there's, you know, if Thompson and Hill injuries reappear in the playoffs, you didn't want to have to maybe rely on the Rampasois, who's also hurt, and then rely on Michael Hutchinson. So now at least you've got a guy who's a veteran. Yeah, and even just in the interim, it it brings some depth, obviously, to a team that desperately needs it. I just, to me, not the move I would have made, but yeah, I guess maybe veteran presence. Who knows? Yeah, but uh, but as far as fantasy goes. no, no, Jonathan Quick does not uh, entice me in the in even the like the, the deepest of leagues. I don't yeah, think. I think the one thing too about the Jonathan Quick move for them is just it was super cheap, right? The acquisition yeah. cost was minimal to basically nothing. Well, you traded a goalie who had a below 900 save percentage in the AHL, Michael Hutchinson, for him. So I mean, you literally gave away a yeah. contract that's just sitting there being an anchor as it is. So. Yeah. Just if you if you were unaware, Jonathan Quick to the Vegas Golden Knights for Michael Hutchinson and a seventh round pick and the uh, Blue Jackets retained 50% of Jonathan Quick's salary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, let's move from the crease to the blue line where some of the biggest moves have happened here in the last couple of weeks and some of the biggest moves happened today. Uh, so today we had John Klingberg go from the Anaheim Ducks to the Minnesota Wild. Probably not a huge needle mover for him um, in terms of fantasy unless he ends up playing on that top power play unit. Kalen Addison's done a pretty good job in that role, but we have seen Addison get scratched in the past. So if that ends up happening again, then maybe that's a spot for Klingberg. Um, obviously, it's going to help the, the Wild, though, not really a high-powered offense either so i don't really know if it's much of a needle mover for john klingberg playing you know on a bad offense going to a team that's much better defensively but certainly not an offensive can really only get better yeah than anaheim his plus minus is definitely gonna improve yeah Yeah, i I think obviously the power play is just the key i'm definitely not rushing to grab him but maybe just toss him on the watch list and keep an eye on him if you do need a little bit of help on the blue line just because yeah if he gets that spot on the top power play uh, I do think he can at least get kind of close to the production he had in his last year in Dallas when he had six goals and 41 assists in 74 games uh, before Miro Heiskanen really started taking over uh, as that lead option on the Stars power play. And I mean, those Stars teams didn't score a lot of goals for a, a, the longest time, right? And and Klingberg was a pretty consistent point producer when, when given the opportunity to, to run that power play. So uh, yeah, interested to see what can happen because like I said, not a really high scoring team, but it, they do have, you know, some sizable weapons, namely uh, Capriola. Kaprizov and Zuccarello that can should be able to do some damage on the power play and at least be more effective than they have been up until this point. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some sort of extended look. Uh, he's gotten at least 10 power play assists in every single one of his seasons uh, up to this point in his career, just five so far um, this year through the time spent in Anaheim. So yeah, desperately needed the change of scenery. Uh, I'm not rushing to grab him, but I do think he could be serviceable if he gets that spot on the power play. Yeah, it, like it all depends exactly where he, he falls in that lineup will be, you know, exactly how his value rolls. Speaking of falling in the lineup, Jacob Chikrin um, got moved to the Ooh. Ottawa Senators. His Senators debut, we saw him sa- play on the second power play unit behind Thomas Shabbat. I do think that that's probably going to continue moving forward. Obviously, lots can change, but I do think that Shabbat is probably better served 
uh, to continue to run that top power play unit. At the end of the day, this has been a top power play unit that has been one of the best in the entire NHL this season, and I don't think that they're going to be looking to change things too drastically. With that said, even with second power play usage, that second power play unit still got some some pop. You've got Jake ba- uh, Sanderson. You've got uh, Claude Giroux on that unit as well with Chikrin. So I do think that, that unit can be fine. I think obviously moving out of Arizona should help. Um, certainly his plus minus should take a, a nice boost. But it's already plused. Yeah, exactly. Surprising. It, it, it's going to be interesting exactly to see how things shake out there. He was on the third pair with Nick Holden yesterday. I do imagine that there's a chance he ends up with Jake Sanderson on the second pairing at some point. Um, but yeah, I I don't think much really changes for Chikrin here. Obviously if he went there and was automatically on the top power play unit, I'd be like, man, this guy needs to be owned in all leagues. But I I still think that he's a very serviceable guy. High shot volume isn't going to, you know, be anything more than like a number three fantasy defenseman at this point. Yeah, I do. I'm a little bit more optimistic. I do think there's a chance that he could, um, take over that spot from Shabbat. Like, like you said, that power play has been really good. Shabbat himself hasn't been overly productive on the power play, especially considering, uh, you know, like you said, how well they've been, he's got the five power play goals, but just 13 power play assists. And, um, yeah, considering how good they've been offensively. And like you said, specifically on the power play, I would say the 35 points he's put up in 56 games to date, uh, a little disappointing for Chabot. And he already kind of had him circled as one of my favorite sleepers for next year, just because I think he's kind of underperformed and we expected him to slide into a similar role in a team that's been growing. And now the Chitron trade obviously throws a big wrench into that. So, um, personally, I think Chitron has more offensive upside than Chabot. He fires the puck, uh, at a rate that we've never seen Chabot get close to. So I think if he were to get in that spot from a fantasy perspective, it'd be kind of the best case scenario, or at least think he could offer a higher upside. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I, I do think he's worth the curse. We had in the meantime, because I think he can continue to be productive. He should continue to be around three shots a game, even if he's going to be limited, um, to the second power play unit. And it's more just about how much ice time he's going to get at even strength. Cause he averaged 23 a game in Arizona, uh, this season, uh, and just 19 in that first game with Ottawa, you know, you don't expect him to be at his max, you know, uh, amount of minutes in that that opening game but certainly something you want to see climb up closer to the mid-20s as we move forward here yeah it's it's gonna be an interesting one just with uh ottawa's been on such a tear lately if maybe things are going a little bit different i would, I would expect uh chitrin to jump right into that power play but just with what's been happening um obviously i think long term this is their guy their power play guy maybe sanderson but for now we'll go with him um i like him i mean you've held him for this long you might as well just keep plugging him in and uh and hope that he kind of keeps up doing what he's doing uh personally i think that the production is going to go down just a tiny bit but might not i mean it, it's one of those things where you sh- with maybe just the amount of talent that's joining him it'll let leverage out the the lack of extra i mean there's definitely scoring getting. a lot more goals than arizona were yeah 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 and they have uh, 12 more players that had won on the ice on forward than <laughs> arizona would uh other than nick schmaltz so you know it's uh i don't know he, he's there he's uh we we do know what you're getting from him. you're getting high shots it's gonna the goal production is gonna likely stay there if you keep shooting. So yeah, and he's got an absolute bomb. Uh, okay, some of the other defensemen that were moved probably not very noteworthy in terms of you know fantasy relevance. So we'll rattle through them quickly here. Phil Peronik, sixty eight percent goes from Detroit to Vancouver. He's also banged up right now. Not exactly clear when he's going to make his Canucks debut. I think obviously um, had some some really a really nice run with the Red Wings, kind of middle of the season. Um, did see some power play one time, you know, surprisingly ahead of Mo Sider. I don't think that that's going to be the case in Vancouver ahead of uh, Tyson Berry, but I do think that there's a chance here. Obviously, they gave up a lot for him. They like what they see. I think there's a chance he could be Tyson Berry's pairing, or uh, sorry, um, Quinn Hughes's pair. 
And uh, I skipped over Tyson Berry, so i got to go backtrack for a second. I'm sure. getting ahead of myself here. Um, but I think there's a, a chance that he ends up playing with Quinn Hughes at even strength, but I don't think that he's going to be on that top power play unit. So Heronix value probably takes a pretty considerable hit here. I, I think it's going to be pretty similar in that he really wasn't offering a whole lot of value in standard leagues, and it was more in hits leagues and points leagues that were going to reward you for the block shots and, and the shots on goal. So I think in that sense, he might continue to be pretty similar, but... Uh, agree. Definitely capped his upside a little bit more. He was obviously battling with Cider a bit for that top power play spot in Detroit as is. But yeah, there's no competition to be had there with Hughes at this point. They're not bringing him in to run the power play. No. Of course, uh, they got one of the best QBs in the league and Quinn Hughes doing that already. So yeah, totally agree with you. I don't think he's really worth much of a look in standard leagues anymore at this point. Uh, but I do think he's going to continue to carry uh, a good amount of value in, in banger and points leagues. Beeb, similar situation. Tyson Berry was flipped for Matthias Ekholm. Um, and he goes to Nashville in his Nashville Predators debut. He did not see any time on the power play. That's because they had one power play opportunity, and the Roman Yossi unit got the job done going one for one. Tyson Berry, so much of his value came from playing the top power play with the Edmonton Oilers, yes. just dynamic power play. Now in Nashville on a power play that's never been good, on a power play that doesn't have a lot of bodies left and behind Roman Yossi are you safely dropping Tyson Berry oh this one is so easy I mean 28 power play points in Edmonton to only 15 5 on 5v5 points I mean at that point without him touching the power play in Nashville do you really want 15 points in 61 games from one of your D-men that's playing no not at all so um I, I the one thing that is kind of nice is out of those 15 points and 5v5 six of them are goals but as a whole no I would uh I would be unfortunately cutting bait with Tyson Berry but luckily you got him probably late in the draft or off your waiver wire because we all thought that there'd be someone else running the power play in Edmonton at first so this is uh you know let him go speaking of somebody else running the power play now with Barry out of the picture Evan Bouchard now becomes PP1 quarterback in Edmonton his ownership unsurprisingly has spiked since the trade uh, but still available on, on plenty of wires and should definitely be somebody that you should be targeting anybody that's running that top power play unit in Edmonton is an absolute force it is worth mentioning about Tyson Berry while he may not see top power play time he could end up seeing more 5v5 usage um, he did play 21:58 in his Predators debut averaged um, just over 19 minutes while he was in Edmonton yeah hopefully you're listening to the episode I think about a month back when we were talking about second half bus and potential guys to look to move we talked about Barry being one that maybe there's not much of a trade market for but because of the name value and because he was on that power play you could probably still look to get something and yeah talked about him as being one of the prime guys to to look to move if you could simply because all of his value was tied to that spot in the power play not really forecasting the trade didn't really see that one coming but more just the fact that they had a ready replacement there in Bouchard uh, and another reasonable threat in, in Darnell Nurse who I think would be running the power play if he wasn't already playing about 28 minutes in all their situations so love it for Bouchard still just 57 percent owned so uh, shallower leagues for sure there's a good chance he's still out there and I agree definitely worth taking a run at just because yes he's on the top power play but uh, he is uh, like we said a shot volume monster when he gets the ice time so hopefully uh, that Time on ice continues to tick up, and we see that shot volume that he flashed last year. Shane Gossespierre, the other defenseman on the move uh, the last couple days, he goes to Carolina. He's currently at 41% owned. Uh, I believe he's expected to make his Hurricanes debut tonight. One of you guys get that news today? Yep. Okay, so Gossespierre will make his debut tonight. Against his old squad. Against his old team immediately. Uh, Gossespierre is interesting. Obviously a guy that can have plenty of success on the power play. Had a really nice start to the season. Uh, with Brent Burns in Carolina, maybe won't get as big of an opportunity. With that said, this is a team that has really liked 
spreading out both of their units. And we've seen Brady Shea quarterback the top power play with Aho, Svechnikov, and Teravainen as of late with Burns running his own unit with uh, Seth Jarvis and Martin Neches. So it's unclear at the moment, but I do think that there's probably a chance that uh, Goss's Bear can either supplant Brady Shea on that Aho unit or run um, alongside Brent Burns on that second unit and really provide some value on, you know, as a bottom of your roster defenseman. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out because, like you said, Shea's really kind of carved out a bit of a role on the power play this season as well, even when at times it seems like it makes more sense to just ro- roll Burns out there with the Aho unit. But um, I got to imagine you don't move for a defenseman like Gosses Bear without the intention of utilizing him on the power play. That's where he offers the most value, you know, relative uh, to his peers. So, I, yeah, he's got to get some time. And like you said, they, they do tend to split those two units uh, more than others. So even if he's on the secondary unit, definitely some potential there. But I think, you know, um, if you need the help, there's some upside there. But I'm probably only looking at him in deeper leagues unless we see some sort of injury to, to Shea or Burns. Actually, funny enough, in the last two NHL seasons, Gosses Bears top 10 in the NHL in goals amongst defensemen. Um, not to say that I believe that that's going to continue when he gets to Carolina, but I do think it goes to, like you guys kind of said, it just goes to show what you bring him in for. He's an offensive tool. He's going to be used that way. They have the guys who can protect him and allow him to play his offensive game. He's not going to obviously be in the same position that he was in Arizona where it was kind of just let Shane cook, but uh, maybe you don't want to let Shane cook all the time, and if you give him 20 minutes, a nice protected minutes, it could be good. Yeah. Uh, I, I like him because just like, you don't often get 10 goals out of a defenseman. And if you can get one on Carolina where he's now not going to hurt you in, in the other counting categories, I think it could be worth it. Um, definitely, again, something to keep an eye on. But if we were talking about you know Brady Shea, Brett Pesci having fantasy value in deeper leagues earlier in the year, I think this is a guy where you could definitely you know be right there. Yeah, and if you want to talk about upside, obviously you know Burns wasn't there last season, but Tony D'Angelo, I think a very similar uh, player to Gossis Bear in terms of what he brings to the table. He's had 10 goals, 41 assists for 51 points in 64 games with the Hurricanes last year. Obviously, that was with him being the clear-cut guy. No Burns there to kind of battle for that power play time but uh, still that kind of gives you the sense of the kind of upside that Goss Spare could have the rest of the season yeah I think the one concern obviously he does see some power play time that's going to help but probably seeing a significant dip in 5v5 usage obviously their mm. top six is our top four defenseman completely loaded he's going to be on the uh, the third pair to start tonight he's playing about 22 minutes a night in Arizona the guy he's replacing tonight Calvin DeHaan averages 13.33 on the season but there's a lot of minutes going to Pesci and Shea and Burns that could potentially get doled back and D'Angelo last year did it in 19 minutes a game so he doesn't I'm I'm with you it's not going to be 22 minutes but he could still be productive in a a more limited role still enough for like a 12 team where I'd I'd, I'd probably want him depends where you're at 12 team 4D as D knows I I often don't carry all my defense on my on my fantasy roster he texted me this week he goes do you have one D-man on your four yeah four roster slot and I was like yes but sir. I would say he's probably a top 48 defenseman for fantasy sure. from here Absolutely. on out so yeah. in that sense yeah starting defenseman probably the rest of the season in 12 team 4D leagues uh, one of the more surprising trades uh, well I mean the Maple Leafs went out and added I think seven defensemen at the deadline <laughs> sure. one of the more surprising ones they send Rasmus Sandin to the Washington Capitals and they get Eric Gustafson back uh, Gustafson did make his Maple Leafs debut yesterday and uh, not a great start. Yeah, no. His first shift fumbled it on the power play, led to a goal. They ended up coming back and winning. He was on the second power play unit yesterday. Um, I, I guess the issue here is I think immediately he loses almost all of his value um, because he was playing like 22 minutes a night on the top power play unit next to Ovechkin. And now he goes to Toronto where, 
he's going to be fighting to even be in the lineup, I think, a lot of nights. I think he'll dress, but he's going to be playing Seventh defenseman yeah. and not getting like a lot of time at 5v5. Yeah. He played nine nine minutes last night. He, I think the reason he brought him in, it makes it makes sense in the fact that, you know, at this point, Sandine probably wasn't cracking the playoff lineup either way. If he did, you were going to have to protect him, obviously, just as you do Gustafson. But Gustafson, at this point in his career, offers a lot more in terms of offensive upside than Sandine. And if, you know, there's one really top-tier position that the Leafs could probably afford to upgrade, it would be that quarterback position on the top power play. Morgan Riley, his struggles this year have been well-documented. And yeah, his role atop the power play hasn't been excused from that. So I do think that... It, you know, it's funny because only 15 shifts last night. He might not see a lot more than that on a regular basis, but I still think there's an opportunity here for him to challenge Riley for that role. Obviously, didn't get off to a great start yesterday. So not rushing to pick him up, but he is one definitely to keep an eye on because I do think that he is uh, really the best challenger on that blue line for Riley on the power play right now. Yeah, and that's what I was going to get to. 48% owned right now. I wouldn't be surprised by this time next week if that's down north, you know, around 25% um, if he continues to play 9, 10 minutes a night. But if he ends up ever, you know, follow Daily Faceoff on Twitter at DFO Fantasy. And if, you know, the Leafs are running power play line rushes in morning skates or practice and he's all of a sudden working with the top unit, yeah. he becomes um, ownable again at that point. Even if he's playing 15 minutes a night, if he's on that top power play unit, yeah, he's going to be he's going to be worth uh, making a spot for. Rossman Sandin, I, I think, is probably pretty interesting now in deeper leagues, 12% owned dynasty leagues, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, not a whole lot of good defensemen left in, in Washington. He's expected to make his debut tomorrow, Saturday. Yep, he is. So it's going to be interesting. Got his visa figured it's going to be interesting to see where he slots into that. Uh, you know, Gustafson's been running that top unit all year. You've had no since uh, the Carlson injury. Well, yeah, since Carlson's injury, you have no like John Carlson, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk seen some power play usage, but Sandine, you know, has never really gotten an opportunity to be a uh, power play quarterback because. He's been playing on a pretty loaded Maple Leafs team. Maybe he gets an opportunity here in Washington because yeah. if you look at these names, he looks like the most logical option to be a power play quarterback. And someone has to play. Their defense is yeah. not. I, I think it's either there. him or TVR, right? Like uh, Van Reems, like has had a, a pretty impressive run over the last couple of months, and he has been productive. So he might have earned that look off the bat here. And um, but I know if I'm the GM and I just gave up a first round pick to bring in Sandine, I'm really going to be hoping he ends up on the top power play unit. Cause you know, he's going to get those phantom OV apples and, uh, make, you know, pad the stats and make the, the trade look that much better. And so, yeah, I, if I'm the GM, that's where I'd want him playing. It makes a lot of sense. And the fact that Trevor Van Reems like is his biggest competition, I think bodes well for him. Yeah. I think long-term that team's a little bit more committed to Sandine than they are TVR. So that Absolutely. Just, they are signing TVR no argument to an extension there. today, but yeah. uh, I do agree. Obviously they, they gave up a pretty big asset to get Sandine there. Yeah. And, and he's, he, this is a guy who's like, he has been offensive in other leagues previously in the OHL. He had 45 points in 51 games. Um, and then back when he was in Sweden, obviously playing in a men's league, he had 18 points in 36 games. It just shows that he can take on that role of point scorer. He's not just, you know, yeah. a stay-at-home 20-point guy we've seen so far. And when Riley has been injured in the past, Sandine was the one to get the call and step up onto that top unit. So, uh, yeah, would not surprise me at all if even if, it, you know, TVR is there on Saturday, uh, if, if it doesn't take Sandine too long to get back on the top power play. Pretty unit. easy job to run that power play in Washington. You just kind of... Pass Feed it, it over to Ovi and Pass let him rip it, and you pick up your apples. You got to put it right in the wheelhouse, though. Yeah, oh yeah, it's gonna it might take him some time right to pick up between the feet. 
He'll figure it you out. You know what, though? He doesn't move very much. You just got to get that, that <laughs> muscle memory down. You'll find him. Um, Rasmus Sandin, to this point in his career, just 10. Uh, sorry, no power play goals, 12 power play assists, but 12 of his 48 points coming on the power play. So I think he did get a power play goal in the playoffs, but... I'll leave that to you. Does not matter a whole lot. The last defense we're going to talk about is Dimitri Bobby Orloff. Uh, He has stepped right into Boston (laughs) and looked exceptional. Um, Obviously not very sustainable production to this point, but uh, he's been very, very good. He's fit right in. He's playing 20 minutes a night. Sandin did get a power play goal in the playoffs. Okay, confirmed. Confirmed. Um, But yeah, at this moment in time, uh, Dimitri Orloff, three goals, five assists, eight points in four games with the Bruins. Now, while that is super, super impressive, his career shooting percentage is 6.6%. Uh, with the Bruins, he is shooting 50%. I'm not sure that that's sustainable. Also, career on a shooting percentage of 9%. On a shooting percentage with the Bruins is currently 20%. So, sure. uh, very small sample size, but Keep things have gone pretty well. Um, it's interesting kind of the way that they're handling this. They're similar to the Leafs in, in that they've kind of got an embarrassment of riches on the back end and they're kind of rotating guys out that you wouldn't normally see being healthy scratched on other teams um, because they've got so much depth. So Orloff, uh, he, he spent some time on the third pair. He spent some time on the top pair. He spent some time on the second pair. Uh, currently slotted in with Brandon Carlo on that second pair, also on the second power play unit. Um, to me, if my trade deadline has not passed yet, which is pretty rare um, in leagues, but if it hasn't... um, Or if you don't have a trade deadline. Or if you don't have a trade deadline, I would be looking to trade him ASAP. Um, But if not, I I still obviously think that he's worthwhile to hold on to. This is a team that's very, very good, team that scores a lot of goals. That second power play unit's been pretty good all year. Got some nice pieces on it. Um, You know, obviously not the top power play unit, but I think he's a serviceable number four. I, I think, you know, the early returns are obviously drastically overblown and like let's not forget he's third in line for pp one time here if there's an injury to mcavoy it's going to be lynn holm who steps into that spot um so yeah i'm just he's been a nice story and you know maybe i think they're they think they got a decent schedule this weekend so maybe if you've picked him up you can still try to ride out the hot streak but it's just simply put not going to last he's played heavy minutes on a very offensively productive team his entire career in the capitals and he's never put up more than half a point per game in a season uh, just not his game. It's really kind of an incredible story to this point that he's just been able to rack up eight points in his first four games. On it's, pace for 220 across a 82-game season. Just remarkable. And this is a guy that's got 256 or 264 career points now with the stint in Boston over his 11-year career. So, uh, yeah, just... Again, not what you would ever expect to see from Orlov. I, I, he's been incredibly fortunate over these first four games. Obviously, he's playing well. That doesn't happen by mistake, but it's just nowhere near sustainable. And like I said, he's the third option for offense at best on this blue line. Um, so it's a hard hard pass for me. Of yeah. this group here, defenseman, if you had to pick one up off the waiver wire, you're looking at, let's say, Hronik down. Hronik, Gossespierre, Gustafsson, Sandin, Orlov. Are you going Gossespierre? Yeah, I think he probably has the, the highest floor out of those yeah, four. Yeah, then probably Sandine. Yeah, I, I think I'm... Well, yeah. maybe Orloff, just before yeah. I see where Sandine yeah, slots where into Sandin the lineup. But, um, I, I would honestly, and, you know, it depends the type of format you're into, but in standard leagues where you're just chasing hard production, like, I would honestly probably consider Sandine and Gustafson before Orlov, just because I, I don't see any world in which Orlov gets on the top power play unit. Yeah, no. it, we really... I would I would definitely need He's to see Gustafson playing more minutes in Toronto before... Um, one of them is a power play specialist and one of them's not. So yeah. one of them's a shut down D man. Yeah, exactly. And the other one has Who more has points. Eight points in three games. Yeah, yeah. And the other one had more points in 60 games with Washington this year than Orlov's ever put up across a full season. So some forwards got moved. Yeah. Yes. Not just defensemen, not just goalies, not just Timo Meyer and Patrick Kane. Let's talk about some more readily available 
uh, winger options. Max Domi goes from the Chicago Blackhawks to the Dallas Stars, where he's expected to make his debut on the weekend, expected to play on a line with Tyler Segan most likely. Uh, I think he's still got some offensive jam. I don't think he's like maybe the best you know, two-way player, but... Uh, offensively, he's actually put up some pretty serviceable numbers this year in Chicago. Um, moving to Dallas, I think playing on that line will provide that that top six or middle six with some some jam. So uh, his shot volume has been really solid as of late. I think that he could be pretty productive moving forward. And at 56% owned, I, I think Domi makes for a pretty um, solid add at the moment. Yeah, I think I'm probably just looking more towards him in deeper leagues. Or I guess if you're really kind of in the need for help or maybe more of a streaming target, simply because I think the biggest reason behind you know his consistency this year has been the ice time and been the fact that he's been playing exclusively with Patrick Kane and Tyler Sagan's great but he's obviously not Patrick Kane even at this point in Kane's career or this point in Sagan's career for that matter but um and then yeah he's just not gonna be playing 18 minutes a night so uh and another guy who just kind of struggles to score goals is always a pass for his guys so I'm sure I will stream him a lot and we'll hear about him a lot in the streamer segment the rest of the way uh but I think if I'm making a, a room for him on my roster I, I'm probably going to be in a deeper league yeah one one way he does help us is he has all three position eligibilities which is super cool again yes makes him all the better to stream right um but i know personally as a owner of max domi i was absolutely loving the last couple of weeks because he yeah got got caught fire here essentially yeah yeah, but if we were talking about we this guy was a classic on d streamers basically weeks ago because he was below 20 percent for the longest time I assume, you know, he's going to kind of fall back to yeah. where he was before this season. We're not looking at a 49-point and 60-game player on Dallas, I don't think. Yeah, and I, like I said, I'm happy to get him into my lineup if, if whenever I can, if I have the acquisitions, if I have the room on a given night, but I also wouldn't hesitate to drop him if I was Just looking ahead, there's pretty much no way you're going to be getting him into your lineups. Chances are uh, next game is tomorrow on a busy Saturday slate. Looking mm-hmm. ahead to next week, they play Monday, which is great, but then they play Thursday and Saturday, and then yeah. the following week, um, they've got a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday slate. So, uh, realistically, if you pick them up in the next three weeks, you'd feel pretty confident about getting them in your lineup twice on a light night. So, uh, stars schedule, certainly not favorable to, um, streaming right the Detroit Red Wings move Tyler Bertuzzi to the Boston Bruins it looks like Bertuzzi is going to make his Bruins debut um, on the third line with Charlie Coyle and Trent Frederick obviously has had a pretty tough year offensively and and dealt with some injuries so chances are he's not going to be the best piece offensively um, in Boston so long as he's playing on that third line with Charlie Coyle and uh, Trent Frederick yeah I think the real opportunity here is that second line winger spot maybe challenge Pavel Zaka I know he's worked really well in what he provides that line with Krejci Pasternak but yeah that's the real goal here for Bertuzzi if possible maybe get up with Marchand and Bergeron as well right and DeBrus drops down but DeBrusque has been playing so well and that line's look so good hard since to, DeBrusque has come back yeah and Krejci and Pasternak have been so good so I think his best bet is uh kind of fitting in alongside them there on the second line and at that point he probably will be uh worth some consideration but I agree so long as he's on the third line uh really not worth looking at but uh is going to offer some value in banger leagues. Doesn't hit quite as much as you'd think, only about a hit per game, but uh, should still be consistent in that regard. Yeah, they don't, you don't get fancy points for scrums. Yeah, that's true. Um, him and Bertu- or him and Marshawn on the same team is definitely going to be interesting and, and shitty for the opponents, but uh, I do think there is potential for him to move up to that second line. They have not been fully committed to Zaka. He's played there a bunch, yeah. um, but we have seen Taylor Hall moved up there at times. Uh, so I do think Bertuzzi has the potential. I think Bertuzzi's always been a guy that you know players like to play with because he's going to go to the dirty areas. He's going to do the forecheck and he's going to get you the puck. And I think you know a player like that will be beneficial um, to David Pasternak. So I think there's an opportunity there, but. 
you know, as I said, opening up on the third line. Some more depth pieces here. Tanner Janot goes to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Nothing changes for his role. Going to be in a third line role, um, you know, maybe on a line with a little bit more off offensive punch, but, uh, you know, unsurprisingly, his uh, regression has hit him hard after shooting, I think, 19% a season ago. He's around 6 7% this year. Provides plenty of value in banger leagues. Outside of that, he is not rosterable. Yeah, not at this point. Maybe keep an eye on him. Just, like I said, the best case scenario here is probably him moving up to taking Kaloran's spot on the second line alongside Sorelli and Stamkos. Huggle Point and Kuchov have been pretty consistent at the top line from Bunce going back now, so I don't expect that changing too much. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's going to be tough for him to crack that top line, and even that second line has been pretty solid, so I would yeah. think he's probably limited to a bottom six role, at which point we're really not interested in him at all. Ivan Barbashev goes to Vegas uh, from the St. Louis Blues. He's opened up on the top line with Jack Eichel. Uh, hasn't been productive at all, but uh, obviously a nice role. Obviously a spot where he could potentially be interesting as, as a streamer and a long-term option if he catches fire. He has been fairly productive in his short NHL career. He is the furthest thing from a two-way player, but offensively he does got some punch. Uh, so we'll see. He's got one assist in two games, only two shots on goal, but he is playing 17 minutes a night, which is a career high for him. So I think um, not somebody I'm super rushing to the waiver wire to pick up, but I do think somebody that's definitely worth keeping an eye on. Uh, with that said, the Vegas Golden Knights do have a fairly attractive streaming schedule this weekend. Weekend. Obviously, by the time you listen to this, he's, he might not be able to pick him up. But against the Devils on Friday, against the Canadians on Sunday, and then looking ahead to next week, they've got four games, including um, you know a trip to Florida against the, the Panthers, Lightning, Hurricanes, and Blues next week. So maybe somebody worth picking up right now and, and keeping through next week. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think he's worthy of an audition on your fantasy team, simply because you know this is a guy that we always said, and impressive in terms of uh, the production he was able to put up, playing in a very limited role on St. Louis's fourth line and was obviously a key component of that cup-winning team. Um, but yeah, just a consistent double-digit goal scorer while barely getting the minutes. Finally saw that top si or that upgrade into St. Louis's top six last season. Went off for 26 goals and 34 assists. He shot 23%, so we knew that was going to come back down. But yeah, he is a guy that has flashed some more upside than really um, the ice time he's been getting. Really hasn't been rewarded for it up until this point in his career. So seeing him get on that top line with Eichel and March, so it is exciting. Um, but bit of an unknown commodity here. So yeah, let's give him the audition. Let's see how he looks for maybe a week. But uh, if you know he stays quiet again next week or if he falls off that top line at all, I'll, I'll be ready to move on. Some more depth pieces here. Nino Niederreiter goes to the Winnipeg Jets. Um, obviously a guy that we've liked a lot in the past. Hasn't really worked out offensively. Great play driver. Not the best finisher. Uh, if Pierre-Luc Dubois was in the lineup, he was going to land on a line with Dubois and Ehlers. At the moment, it's Lowry and Ehlers, which is going to hurt production without sure. Dubois. Um, but I just don't know if he's ever going to get there. I think he's a tremendous real-life hockey player. I'm not sure he's ever going to be the guy that we hoped he was going to be in fantasy. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. Um, probably not going to be much more of a streaming target, but you know we will have our eye on him. So if the underlying numbers take a tick up or he starts to see himself in a more favorable situation, you can be sure that we will tell you about it. Yeah, 2.3 shots per game again this year. You know, Closing in on the 200 shot mark like he always does. Shooting a, a pretty decent percentage at, at 13%, but just not a guy that's ever going to probably score you more than 20, 25 goals. No, but I think a really underrated pickup either way. He's been really Terrific consistent I, throughout Especially his when you looked at like Tanner Janot going for like 900 draft picks. Uh, Nito Niederreiter going for a second round. Like that was, I, I would put that up there with one of the best pickups in terms of actual value yeah. in the entire trade deadline from a real hockey perspective. Yeah, and like, you know, 
from us, we, he's always been a bit of a disappointment for us because he just really, more than anything, was never able to get that full opportunity and never really hit that breakout season that we were hoping for. But incredibly consistent, like a guy with 396 points across 789 career games. So uh, playing in a middling role, you can still expect him to get a point every other game. So nothing to get excited about in fantasy. But yeah, I agree. Really nice pickup for the and, Jets. And like he's like the perfect type of player to go out there and play with a Nick Ehlers or play with a Kyle Connor because he's going to go in the dirty areas. He's going to get the puck and he's going to get it on their shooter sticks. And, yeah. and I think that he's going to be a really, really nice nice fit in the Jets top six. Agreed. Mikel Granlin goes to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I, I did think that, you know, there was potential here for Granlin to, um, you know, maybe get back into fantasy relevance, but uh, opened up his Penguins debut on the third line with Jeff Carter, also not featured on either power play unit um, and was, you know, I guess maybe brought in to be more of a penalty killer. The thing is that for most of the season, the Penguins' top six has played extremely well. Mm-hmm. Gensel, Crosby, Raquel have been great. Zucker, Malkin, Rust have been have been maybe not quite as great, but the underlying numbers are outstanding. They you know had their stretches. The third line has been the big bugaboo for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Jeff Carter line has been basically getting caved in night in and night out. And I think that they went out and tried to identify a player that's going to come in, help them a little bit on the penalty kill, uh, help Jeff Carter out at 5v5, and then maybe be able to um, you know, provide a little bit of offensive punch as well. They also bring in Nick Benino today to help out that bottom six. So all in all, I, I think Granlin will be a, a helpful Real life, uh, real life piece for the Penguins. I think he's going to help settle that third line a little bit, but overall, not somebody I'm looking at from fantasy, especially just because he's never been that fantasy relevant because he just does not shoot the puck. Yeah, I think really the only chance for him to take a step forward is if he was walking into that role with Gensel and Crosby, and that's just not going to happen this year, barring a couple injuries. So for now, I agree. I have really no interest in Gremlin. I think the one spot he could potentially move up to is Jason Zucker's spot with Malkin and Rust. Yeah, I think that's kind of best case scenario for him. Um, you know. A, a great playmaker like himself playing with Malkin could be solid, but um, Zucker, like I said, has had a pretty nice year there on that second line. And uh, But I, I guess the one thing that is worth noting is Zucker's lengthy, lengthy injury history could sure. certainly open the door for Granlin at any moment in time. And honestly, you could say the same for pretty much all of the top six wingers, Gensel, Russ, and even Raquel to a degree. So. I've been healthy this year, thankfully, for them. Yep. Uh, Okay, very, very bottom of the roster type players here. Evgeny Dadanoff goes to the Dallas Stars. Um, deep, deep leagues, I do think, you know, he does have something there. He's been pretty productive in the uh, couple games that he's played. He had very nice, um, you know, what did he have? A goal and two assists. So he's got a goal in all three games here uh, with the Dallas Stars. He not averaging a ton of ice time, thir- 13 minutes, playing with Wyatt Johnston and... Um, Jamie Ben, I, I think line. kind of worth a flyer in super, super deep leagues. But yeah, I think that they've done a pretty nice job here addressing some weaknesses that maybe this team had. Really didn't have anybody to ride shotgun with Ben and Johnston. Didn't really have anybody to ride shotgun with Segan and Marchman. You bring in Dadanoff to play with Ben and Johnston. You bring in Domi to play with Tyler Segan and Marchman. Delandria probably a little bit more comfortable, a little bit better suited in the, in the, on the fourth line with Radic Faxa. And, you know, not super, super flashy moves, but I think moves that really made the stars a better hockey team yeah i think that he can be uh, a reliable goal scorer relative to what else you can find i guess at that ownership range right like i do think he's got a good chance of chipping in another five or six goals the rest of the way here so yeah definitely standard leagues really not worth consideration at all but uh i do agree with you um that he's worth targeting in deeper leagues and but yeah, any any other or any smaller format, I, I'm probably only looking at him unless we see some type of injury to the top line. Because uh, unfortunately, I, I think in standard leagues, there's just not much value beyond the, the Stars' top line. 
Uh, Marcus Johansson goes to the Minnesota Wild. He's expected to make his uh, debut on Friday with Joel Erickson-Eck and Matt Boldy on the second line. I'm not really sure that Marcus Johansson himself is going to have a ton of value, but I do think that this could help prop Erickson Eck and Boldy up. They've been trying, you know, struggling to find uh, somebody to play on that line. I mean, they finally moved Erickson Eck. It's not like these guys have really been together even that long, but yeah. they finally moved Erickson Eck up with Boldy. So far, so good. But Johansson, you know, talented offensive veteran that can help out uh, those two a little bit. But as far as Johansson is going, I don't. I'm not going to pick him up. Totally agree. I, I don't have. I don't really see any value in Johansson himself, but I do think he adds some offensive flair and can help them create some high danger chances in the Ozone, uh, which should help them capitalize on the puck possession that Joel Eriksson brings with him wherever he goes. And just to correct what I just said, he actually will make his um, wild debut on Saturday. They do go. not play until tomorrow. Uh, Dennis Giryanov went the other way in the Evgeny Dadanov trade, and he has looked pretty decent in his short career with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, despite the really impressive underlying numbers in play from the um, Josh Anderson, Nick Suzuki, and Raphael Harvey Pinard line, uh, as soon as they traded for Giryanov, they immediately shuffled around that top six. Giryanov playing on the top line uh, with Mike Hoffman and Nick Suzuki. And in his first couple of games with the Canadians, he has one goal, eight shots on goal, and he's averaging around 18 minutes per night. We talked about him a little bit yesterday, uh, just being a guy that, you know, did show quite a bit, in, you know, in Dallas, but just could never really sustain it. During the playoff run, when they in the bubble, he was amazing. He had nine goals, 17 points in 27 games, playing just 14 minutes a night. Uh, you know, really productive on the power play. I think that this is a decent reclamation project here uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. He's just 25 years old. Didn't give up much. Dadunov, not no future there either. So I like this as a reclamation project. I think that he's a decent, deep, deep league pickup. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like beyond this season, how much value he's going to have because I do think that there's enough that we've seen to know that at least right now in the, his current iteration, he is a liability in his defensive zone. The nice thing about moving to a tanking teams like the Canadians is they will not care. They're going to continue to throw him out there and he'll finally get the 17, 18 minutes a night that he could never get in Dallas simply because he couldn't be trusted. So I think he could be a nice target in deeper leagues the rest of the way because of that. Because uh, yeah, his offensive production for those few years and the couple of seasons after that breakout in the COVID bubble uh, playoffs, you know, his offense production warranted more minutes, but uh, could never really be trusted enough in his own zone for that to happen. And, and it really, really took a toll on his production, and his development the last couple of seasons. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he can do from an offensive standpoint when he's playing in a, in a system and, and for an organization that uh, if anything uh, wants to give up more goals the rest of the way. Yeah, one way to uh, help mask some defensive deficiencies is to play you yourself with Nick Suzuki, one of the better two-way centers in the league. Um, worth noting, probably not going to be a great streaming option heading into next week. Brutal schedule for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, not only do they play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, the three busiest nights of the week, they also have the Hurricanes, the Rangers, and the Devils all coming into Montreal. Mm. So uh, probably look elsewhere. The last name we want to talk about is definitely just somebody that you're just going to 
maybe flag, keep an eye on to see where he lands in the, in the lineup, is Jordan Greenway uh, was traded to the Buffalo Sabres on Friday afternoon, and he moves to the Buffalo Sabres where he could potentially, I don't know for sure, but could potentially be a fit to replace Alex Tuck on the top line with Jeff Skinner and Tage Thompson. Uh, Jack Quinn has been the guy in that spot for the last couple games, and he's looked really, really good. Yeah. Uh, everything we were kind of expecting from Jack Quinn in the preseason when he was skating with this line um, has come to fruition. So, you know, one thing, if Jack Quinn ends up remaining the guy that plays in that spot, Jack Quinn's worth a pickup at the moment. Um, and if it ends up being Greenway, who kind of plays that similar game to the similar power forward game as Alex Tuck, which is a lot less offensive ability, then I think Greenway has a little bit of upside in deeper leagues. But I still think it's probably Quinn. I think uh, Greenway most likely settles in on that second line with Dylan Cousins. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And yeah, I didn't. I, I saw the same kind of uh, <clears throat> narrative that was getting pushed around by the, the Buffalo Porters and kind of speculated that maybe he could end up on that top line. Yeah, I'm skeptical. He's got just, what, two goals or five goals this year? I think it's five goals and two assists. Um, so, yeah, he, he had a nice really splash in his rookie year where he dropped 12 goals. Looked like he could be an effective power forward, but really has been uh, relegated to, as he said, more of a defensive role in Minnesota, um, really without getting that much time on the penalty kill either. So that's where I think he might see some more up ice time and an uptick as opposed to where he was at in Minnesota is on the penalty kill. Um, but yeah, I'm skeptical just because, like you said, Quinn's look good there. I don't see, think there's any reason to really move Greenway up to, at that point. Uh, and Victor Olsen is still there as well and certainly a threat to take that spot. And me personally, I think that he makes more sense there before Greenway. So yeah. Uh, Banger leagues, maybe, but I think probably just deeper banger leagues is, is where I'm at with Greenway right now. Uh, short sample size, but in about 50 minutes of 5v5 ice time, Jack Quinn, Tage Thompson, Jeff Skinner, 3.62 expected goals, 4 per 60, 38 scoring chances, 4 per 60. Decent. They've been, they've been really productive. Um, just another note on Greenway. He's he's struggled quite a bit uh, during his time in Minnesota when he wasn't playing with Joel Erickson Eck. I'm curious to see what he looks like on another team because uh, it seemed like a lot of his really, you know, good defensive underlying metrics came from playing yeah. with one of the best two-way centers in the league. Uh, moving to another team, it's going to be, I'm curious to see exactly what happens because um, unfortunately for him, and maybe it is just a product of playing more of a defensive posture in Minnesota, the offensive production, he doesn't have that to fall back on. So if he's not being reliable 5v5 defensively, he's going to be a bit of a liability. So it's going to be interesting to see how all of this uh, sorts out in Buffalo. Yeah, and just one thing to add about the Sabres, because I don't think we really talked about the Darlene injury on this podcast yet, but again, probably not available in most standard leagues, but he is still just 48% owned. If Owen Power is out there, uh, and maybe you're in a shallower league, an 8 or a 10-team league, absolutely worth a pickup right now while Darlene is sidelined. Uh, in the three games that Darlene has missed, he's averaging over 26 minutes a night. He's got two assists in that span with eight shots on goal. So uh, real real chance for Owen, Owen Power to enjoy a, a nice productive uh, stretch here while Darlene is sideline. Yeah, and I mean, that's been a pretty productive power play throughout the season. They rank sixth. Obviously, Darlene plays a huge factor, but Owen Power, uh, certainly no slouch himself. So he's fit right in. I know I've been playing him in DFS circles like crazy. Um, the other thing, you know, maybe maybe you want to uh, make the switch is probably Bowen Byram, who was filling in for Kale McCarr. If you can make that switch over yeah. to... Um, Owen Power now um, in, in kind of those shallower leagues because it looks like Kale McCarr is going to be back on Saturday relegating um, Byram to the second power play unit. But anyways, that is going to do it for this trade deadline edition of the DFO Fantasy Podcast. D, it's been fun. Beebs had to step out early, so we'll say goodbye for Beebs. I'm Brock Segan. you got Dylan D. Burton. See you next week. Peace. Thanks, Betway. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.